0: Okay. Certified Lover Boy. Let's just uh get into it. Today's episode we are going to do the album review of Drake's Certified Lover Boy. Uh a combination of toxic masculinity and acceptance of truth, which is inevitably heartbreaking. That is verbatim the description by Drake himself for the album. Um and I think that's uh Pretty, I think, I think it does, that is a great description for the simple fact when you listen to this album, as much as it is like, yeah, get that toxic shit in Drake, it's almost, there is kind of like almost a sadness where it's like, Drake, as I think a lot of men will enter at some point in the reality of, with a woman and stuff like that, in that, there is, the truth is heartbreaking for a lot of this shit. And as we know Drake, before I start talking about the album, I think it's kind of, Drake has entered that space where he's kind of given up on that hopeless naivety love they had on the So Far Gone years, even the Thank Me Later type of years. And Take Care, he still had that in him, but you can tell he's starting to mature little, get more realistic, and then you can see as albums go, he becomes less and less um, optimistic, That he is going to find that one woman type of thing. So I think he's more of just embracing. What is his role with his stature. And now that he's a target. It's probably less realistic than ever. Being his popularity. His everything. Attached to just being the fucking biggest artist in the world. It's as much of a fun type of. Uh, quote-unquote toxic shit, that's enjoyable to listen to. as You can kind of sense behind uh, a lot of this uh playboy status as being a certified lover boy. You kind of sense the, man, like, re- real life has made me more of this than what I actually wanted. And, you know, it's, uh, ironically, sooner than later, it's, uh, Become his reality It's a It's kind of a It's kind of just a Maturation thing It's more of just The People say things are toxic Toxic masculinity Right And I think It's more of As Drake is a prime example It's It's Well then don't reward My toxic masculinity Because when he started Being on that fuck shit And being this You know Playboy or fuckboy boy. He started to get everything in life he thought he wanted. And so, yeah. Alright, so, uh, Certified lover boy. Let's just get into it. Champagne Poetry. Um, I like that as an open. And by the way, for each track, I'm going to give it a grade. I'm not going to... There's only a few tracks I plan on going in-depth in. Most of them I'm just going to kind of give my analysis. I took some notes, as you can tell. And go with it. Champagne Poetry. I really enjoyed it as an open um, I love when Drake The thing about Drake Drake does it He loves picking those instrumentals When he just wants to say his shit He picks those very loose Open Interpretation uh, Type of flow Instrumentals Where he can literally just Get his shit off his chest Without worrying about Trying to do a Very cool A very uh, a Very unique A very experimental flow Like he just I'm just going to say my shit. That's what he does with his intro and his outro songs, or any song that he wants to snap on. I won't call them safe instrumentals, but they're definitely instrumentals where they're more just meant for saying all the shit you need to say. Um, Yeah, that, that track was also five and a half minutes long, and obviously I don't mind longer songs, but I felt like that one probably could have been cut a minute or two, but I gave that track an eight and a half, Champagne Poetry, eight and a half. Uh, Poppy's Home, this is basically where he's saying, Daddy's home, Daddy's home. Uh, this track's essentially about, uh, hey, I know I've been, uh, haven't put an album out in three years, people talking on my name, you know, I've let you guys have your charts and your numbers while I put out a couple singles in there, but hey. Uh, I, I mean, he basically has a line in there saying, I know you never seen the top, because I'm at the top. Oh, basically, I'm at the top. That's how I know you never seen the top. It's like, okay, Drake, I see what you did there. I gave that track an eight. Uh, Poppy's Home, I gave an eight. By the way, down below, I'm going to put the timestamps for all the tracks. My rating down there, you just pick the tracks you want to go to. Uh, Girls Want Girls, right? But featuring Little Baby. Um, a line, you're a lesbian, girl, Me too. Um, to be honest, it's, I think, uh, when we see an artist with a feature and they've done work together before, I think natural instinct is we're going to compare that to what they have done together. It's like with him and party next door. Um, when they've done songs together past come and see me, we're always going to compare it to come and see me. So We're going to grade it on a different type of scale. Whether you think that's fair or not. Oh, everyone gets a fair. No, that's not real how this works. So when we see Drake and Lil Baby, we're going to think of Once and Needs. One of the most fired tracks in the past couple years, in my opinion. Lil Baby snaps. I think Drake does his thing. He kind of lets Lil Baby kind of show his uh, skill. So when we say, okay, they're about to do some shit. As a track stand alone, it is not bad. It's okay. Um, it's not one of my favorites, but I think the, th- the issue with me about the song is that I think the idea and theme of it is more interesting than what's actually said in the song. Honestly, if it wasn't for the lesbian aspect of the song, it's not really that interesting of a song. Uh, it kind of blends in with a lot of things. I gave that song a 6 out of 10. Uh, and I, you know, I just don't think, uh, I think a common theme, just a foreshadowing, I don't think a lot of the features on this uh, album, I don't really think did all that well. I think they either... I don't even say played safe. I just don't think they showed out, personally. Um, okay. In the Bible. Track number four. In the Bible. Go getting caught up in a lifestyle. Turning up every day. It don't say that in the Bible. Um. In the Bible featuring Little Dirk and Gibeon. I gave this track a 6.5. In the Bible, I think there's some weird... I don't think it's always... I think my personal interpretation... I don't feel like it's directly always just talking about the Bible. Like God. uh, Per se. I think it's more of... Has to do with society type of perception. Society norms. And it's people convincing themselves of a pigeonhole idea way of thinking. And they're trying to interpret that outside of themselves. And like when he says turning up every day, it don't say that in the Bible. I I think he's getting more in the culture of quote-unquote girls and stuff that turn up every day and they're living a certain type of lifestyle. But then they go home and they're going on Instagram, going to church on Sunday and all this stuff. It's like, I know what you say you're doing, but you're not really doing it. And I think it's more to bring awareness. I think what Drake does, he kind of points out the very, uh, inopportune advantages people take of and don't get questioned. And he kind of challenged that a lot from the opposite sex. on, Hence, toxic masculinity. So I gave that one a six and a half, um. I feel like I didn't really explain that one well, but, but I'm just gonna keep pushing. Track number five Love All featuring Jay Z. This one is actually basically, this one was already released, I think, almost a year ago on uh, YouTube and whatever. A lot of 42. It's a people don't care until it's RIP. Uh, people leaving me for no good reason. Uh, I gave this track a 9 out of 10, actually. I feel like Jay-Z's is a lot, I think Jay-Z part was actually a lot better than a lot of people wanted to say, because I feel like when Jay-Z appears on tracks, it's not, he's not trying to be um, the most, like, in-depth, like, rapper in terms of, he's not trying to be too clever with this shit, he's just gonna say it, like, fuck all this foreshadow, fuck all this double, and like, nah, when Jay-Z hops on track, it's about just to say some shit at this point, because he's like, I make, I got too much shit to do. I'm just going to write some shit and you're, you're going to like it or you're not. Um I would say in this song, this from this track on, I'm going to give a little subnosis. And love all, Drake is struggling with a uh, love in all aspects of life. Uh not just, you know, uh companionship relationship with a woman. He's struggling with he just wants some genuine uh love where it's you know friends not switching up on him and loyal is loyalty is really all he cares about because he is at a position and a place in life but the number one thing he has to worry about someone in his position is what does someone really want with me and he kind of with the love all to me the title love all I think what he's trying to get at is When he says, no one cares, so it's R.I.P. It's, uh, people turn back me for no good reason. Um, I think he's really struggling. I won't even say struggle. Again, this album is about acceptance. Accepting the fact that there's really gonna be no one that genuinely wants him for him as an individual. That's something he's accepted a while ago. And it's him... Come into acceptance with the fact that genuine love is not really gonna be a part of his life. And I think that actually leads into the next track, Fair Trade, with tra- featuring Travis Scott. I gave this track an eight and a half out of ten. That was a lot of high grades so far. Fair trade, um, some lines. Imitation isn't flattery, it's annoying me. I've been losing friends and i f- I've been losing friends and finding peace. But honestly, sounds like a fair trade of me. Mm. So in this song, Drake is discovering the trade-offs that are necessary for growth as an individual. He gets into the hardships such as his mother giving him the world when she was younger. And this is a line prefacing that she had a disability just to give me this ability. Yeah. He did one of his play-on word things type of there. And basically he's uh telling people to get off your pity party. Sacrifice is a fair trade for something bigger. Cause he views his mom as an example of she sacrificed her because of his ability. She sacrificed her essentially a lot of her life for him to be able to live his. And he's giving he's given more than back to her. And you know, from the previous track, Love All, where he's talking about struggling with the fact that all he wants is genuineness, because everything around him is just complete materialistic. It's just the lifestyle, per se, hence in the Bible. I think the co- the more you think the cohesiveness of this album is actually, to me, probably the best part of the album. Uh, you know, breaking news there. Because in the Bible, for example, let me go back to track four. In the Bible, he talks about people getting caught up in the lifestyle. So it's almost like he's reflecting himself. Love all, he just wants genuine love. Because of the lifestyle itself kind of deteriorating that from himself. And in fair trade, it's like the description of the album, the acceptance of reality. Is that in order to have anything... There's a fair trade to anything in life. Um, you know, sacrifice, basically, you got to sacrifice for something bigger. Somebody something learned from his mother, he has sacrificed a lot of things in his youth to get to where he's at. And sounds like a fair trade to me. It's Alright, so yeah, I gave that track an eight and a half. I think you're going to notice a common theme here. A lot of consistency. Alright, here's where we kind of get weird. Track 7. Way Too Sexy for My Shirt. Featuring Future and Young Thug. Young Thug. I gave this one a 7 out of 10. And I would say, if you're just listening to the audio of that song, it's not really that great. To me, I don't think it's that great of a song, personally. Uh... Young Thug, honestly, probably didn't even need to be in it. He's literally in it for like 30 seconds. But I think I'm the reason, I'll tell you why I gave it a 7. And maybe I'm making an exception for grades and stuff and I'm open to that. I think songs, certain songs, are made specifically for music videos. I. That's why the day Certified Little Boy came out, this music video came out with it. That's not coincidence to me. It's obviously some of the. It's a nice, fun little song. It's, it's kind of very Oprah's bank account with him and Lil Yachty, like that type of fun, whatever. And it's just him not taking himself too seriously in a movie and a music video. I think the song itself, audio-wise, is really like a five and a half or six. But with the music video component, the visual. I think it makes the song more enjoyable. So overall, I'm going to give it a 7. To me, um, it's just a fun song. And the line from that song that sticks out is, She popped a Tesla. Now she's gone electric. Yep, always keeping track. Okay. Track 8, T-S-U. This is where, this is a 5 plus minute song, right? I knew when I saw the title, I was like, this one's going to be... Some just told me. This is going to be one of those Drake-specific storytelling ones. And those are my personal favorites. Like, From Time, for example. Um, What's that song off of... Uh, Marvin's Room, to an extent, kind of very specific. Drake's pretty specific with a lot of his music. But when he gets that specific, where you literally... Are envisioning the specific girl, the whole song. So TSU. I gave this one a nine out of ten. Um fun fact, TSU actually has writing credits from R. Kelly and Justin Timberlake. Um, the R. Kelly is simply because they had to for a sample clearance and royalties and all that shit. I'm not sure of the Justin Timberlake Association, but when you listen to the song, you could kind of feel the Justin Timberlake ish shit to it which i think what makes it good so here's my notes from the song drake has an empathetic connection to a stripper um i love like i said i love when he does the specific storytelling it really it really makes you ingrain yourself to actually because when drake does music one thing that can be sometimes hard to connect to is under is when he's talking about specific references, people don't get. But when he gets very specific, like on the song "Connect," um, on the "Nothing Was the Same" album, out there I take you, I take you to four hundred one East and, our back where some whatever street where all the pretty girls are sleeping, I've been, I've been expired. I renewed after weekend. Fuck, I know this shit. Said that shit the last seven weekends. And in the whole song, you could feel you could feel who he's talking about. Now, this one, he comes off the bat, basically. You know he's talking about a stripper. Um, here's some lines. Her daddy was not around. Her mama's not around. She moved out of state. She's seeking forgiveness. And she started a business. She has a business plan. But she just hasn't had time to write it down. Drake always throws the lines in there. And I'm just like... She's had no time to write it down. Like, I understand business plan isn't just writing bullet points, but, you know, she just hasn't had time to write it down. So she moved out of state. She started a business, but then she didn't write the business plan down because she hasn't had time. You know, moving, look, moving is a very time-consuming thing. Make the business plan, then maybe make some time to move. Um, But yeah, sidetracked there. So Drake, in this song, he's, reminis- he's reminiscing on a past flame, who he, re- who he relates to in a sense of a broken home. And ironically, by reminding her constantly, he remembers when she was a stripper sliding up and down that pole. But sees her trying to choose, but sees her trying to change that image of herself. I think, I think this song, let me go back to the description. Toxic masculinity and uh, accepting and the acceptance of truth that's not always great to hear. This is, I think, this song right here. It has very. It's. In the first half, he want It's weird because in the first half, when it's just moon out state so you can forgiveness, it's very. It's very kind of setting it up of, yeah, you know, this girl, hey, look, strippers, they, they're, they you know, I, I hate to say it like they're people too, you know, they can do great things. They're just trying to, she's trying to make it out of the meeks, she's trying to make a better life for herself, she's trying to move out of state, start a business and all that. Change her image. And then the second half when the beat just, boom. And I'm in my and it's shoddy. Like, that part, if you listen to the song. It's almost like, I know all the shit I said where I'm like, you go, girl. And then the second half, he's like, look, I don't care what you accomplish. I don't care what you do. I'm going to always look at you as a girl going up and down that pole. I am always going to look at you no different than being a stripper. And I know that sounds shitty to say but i think it's really just a reflection on to him and i think a lot of people that don't want to admit it first impressions and how you meet someone matters like if you meet someone when they were in, if you met someone when they were a crackhead and 10 years later you see them you don't see for 10 years and next time you see them they're you know a you know they're a well put together person they got a life they got a family you say what you want, the first thing that comes to your head, you're gonna think of them as that crackhead. And I think he's more like That's great, all these accomplishments and shit. I can uh, I'm supporting and shit. And I'm funding and shit. Like there's this weird connection he has with her. So it's this reflection, it's this kind of projection that everything he feels from being from a broken home. She does. And they kind of connect in that aspect. And it's kind of fucked up to say, but no matter what she does, he will always view her as a stripper. And that power dynamic will always be in his favor no matter what she accomplishes in a weird way. Um, So, yeah. But I like because, look, it's real. It's that toxic honesty. I gave that one a 9 out of 10. Sorry for itching my fucking nose Alright track 9 Into Deep featuring Future I gave this one a 7 out of 10 Um, My notes it sounds like a song That would be on So Far Gone With how they make uh, Drake's uh, voice Sound in the chorus In the first half of the song Um, Not many memorable lines In this one but it's a decent Casual listen Um, So yeah And one note I will make, and someone made this point on a show, but um, it seems like any time that that Future features on a Drake song, it is not as good as when Drake features on a Future song. Because I think it's two different subject matters in a sense, and I think Drake can be a little more more loose on Future songs type of thing. It's not a bad song, but it's not something I'm going to... Replay, um Okay, track 10 Pipe down Whoo, this is when uh, I really start mm, I start feeling the album in a sense Okay, I put a uh, caption spazzing because uh I'm just gonna say the lines first I'm just going to say, because I have a bunch of lines from the song. And when you see Chanel, I wish that's how you saw me. That shit you tell Chanel, I wish that's how you call me. That raw shit, that honesty. Obviously, he's making a play on words with Chanel. Friend Chanel, the Chanel bag. Uh, I love you more than all them fellas put together. And it's a lot of fellas. Trust me, I put the list together. This man is tracking your. Uh, he's he's tracking your uh, your history, and it's inside of his sensitive side. Of I know I can love you more than all of them because he still feels like he has a heart. That's so far gone, heart. It's like a little bit still there. He's been jaded, kind of like on square. He's been jaded. He's been hurt. He's been uh, fucked over emotionally from women and stuff. But he knows that he could give. He could be as he could be as loving as any of those dudes combined. But if he would do that, what would be the fun? Um, if it was ride or die, you should have been dead right now. Basically saying you didn't ride, so you should been dead. Uh, it's kind of everyone says. I think he's kind of ingraining the fact. That everyone says I want to ride or die. It's like. But then when it's time to ride or die, you don't ride Uh -uh. Alright, so some other Instagram catching lines Um, I've been on your ass like back pockets It's not what you say, it's what you don't say You're the reason we can't communicate Angel eyes, but you've been giving me hell all night Man uh, sorry about scratching my nose so dirty. Just want to punch myself in the fucking nose. Okay, here's my notes on this track. Uh, he's uh basically. This is that certified lover boy, Drake toxic shit. This is I think where it kind of, he kind of dabbles in it in TSU a little bit, but this when he gets really good. Uh, basically Drake's uh calling all the bs he's fed up with the ladies and anyone just talking shit about him in any capacity uh the lying the behind his back not true to their word that's again the acceptance of people you know it's a common thing the description literally applies to every song so far he basically and he's basically telling these people shut the fuck up. And sign this NDA, <laughs> like, because he does mention, I didn't write down my, he does mention, um, a tell-all, a tell like, people, girls write in tell-all books about their sexual encounters with them, and really, he's talking about Brittany Renner, and as you know, she's the P.J. Washington girl, finessed him, and then just out there in the streets again, whatever, which the more and more you learn about her, the less bad I feel for PJ because apparently she had a tell all book before she was ever with him. And a tell-all, literally tell all literally telling about all of her sexual encounters with dudes like Colin Kaepernick, uh, him, a bunch, a bunch of people. I don't know the whole list because I didn't really care to look into it. But. I think that's kind of like a shot at her and in this relevant time where she's been spurring around the internet, space, telling her she would tell all rights, she would tell all but she wouldn't really tell all type of shit, she was only saying a specific side but won't sell her rights type of thing, um, but yeah, so basically shut the fuck up and sign this piece, pipe it down, shut the fuck up, how much do I gotta pay you to shut the fuck up, Okay. Yeba's Heartbreak, track 11. Um, I gave this one a 4 out of 10. This is the first quote-unquote bad. And I'm not saying the song is bad. I would just wouldn't really call it a song, to be honest. It's just a three-minute piano and kind of like just some singing from an artist named Yeba. Um, Literally, Drake's not in the song at all. Uh, it's literally... It's a mostly forgettable song, but I understand the placement of the song to recover from the previous track, which was just fire. And I will say, again, one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest compliments I will give this album is the sequencing and the placing of songs to recover when Drake goes heat and to balance out. In the songs where he kind of does both, where half R&B, the other half rap. He kind of does a nice balance of win the play songs on this. Alright. Alright. So, track 12. No friends in the industry. Um, I gave that one a 7.5 out of 10. It's pretty self-explanatory. It's Drake being in the game so long, since 09 specifically. um, He sees the game for what it is. And one note I put, is very non-stop type of, uh, type song. Um, I don't know, I, I remember, no friends in the industry, shit don't ever stop, A. It's kind of like, it, it has a very similar, I don't know, that was just me when I listened. It's very non stopish Um, okay. Track 13, Knife Talk. This one is Knife Talk featuring 21 Savage and Project Pat. Uh, I gave this track a six and a half out of ten. Um, my notes is basically, he comes in knife distance and he's basically telling you come in knife distance and come talk to me. Um, cause when Drake looks you in the eye, they pussy. That's only his uh, words. Like, really. cause he's basically saying like, look. You talking all that, like, I think the knife talk is, yeah, you keep stabbing me. I'm not dying, though. You keep stabbing me in places, but they're not lethal. But it's also knife talk because I would rather you at least be in person when you're talking with me. Because at least you're there. You can't knife me from a distance. So um, my interpretation is knife talk is you're not even a knife's distance where you're talking about me. So shut the fuck up. And you're not if you're not in knife's distance when you're talking to me, then shut the fuck up. Like he's calling people pussy, which is kind of like this power move type of thing he's got going. But you know, I think he has a couple decent lines. But you know, it's it's nothing I'm gonna replay over and over again. It's a yeah, um, one line. I think the most memorable line from it is. Um, I fuck with her and her and her and her. I don't know why that part. It, it's kind of like a. It's very look. It's very look alive type of uh rhythm and flow to me. Like it has that type of energy per se. Okay, and I'm not gonna really break down what this song is about because I think it's, it's been covered so much on YouTube. Um, it's been covered so much everywhere. Everyone knows what 7 a.m. and Bridal Path is on. I gave it a 9.7 out of 10. I went a little bit above, I typically stay in the half ranks 9, 9.5, whatever. I had to give this one a little bit just because it was so fucking fire. As you know, when he puts a time in a specific place, he's going in on someone. And not even someone, he's just going to be spitting some fire. The best sides of Drake rapping. He, I think he, he times this stuff well to remind people. Hey, I know, like I do all this other cool shit, experimenting. I won't even say experiment, but the sensitive side and all the shit. Don't fuck with me. So I'm not even gonna break it down. All I'm gonna do is read a bunch of fucking lines from the song. <clears throat> My life is full of climaxes. My losing nights. Are still a vibe. Now that one's gonna be captioned all over fucking Facebook. Jesus Christ. Good thing I'm not on that. Fuck the respectfully. I just want my respect. I think that's a shot at Justin Little Boy. Uh clouds are hanging over you now. Cause I'm reigning supreme. Bars. Uh Had to pull my fellas out of the mud like I'm training marines. Give that address to your driver. Make it a destination instead of making a post out of desperation. I'll play it cool with you. Then Denmark, a fella like Copenhagen. If we're talking top three, then you've been sliding to third like stolen bases. Again. When Drake wants to get in there, we all know. That's why we know who it's about. We know everything he's talking about. I just read the lines. That's all you need to hear. Okay. This one, track 15. Race My Mind. This is one of the most interesting songs of Drake. I think I think this song is more interesting. I'm not saying better But this song I've been replaying like a motherfucker not because it's necessarily the best song in the album the contrast of half and half of a song is so mind-boggling and captivating to me So race my mind I give the song an 8 out of 10, even though I actually think the more I listen to it, I actually like it more. I think it's more up there in the 9s, but I wrote down 8. This is literally first half R&B, second half. It's almost like the first half of the song was the kind of, again, rebound from 7am and bridal. They kind of make everyone calm down, to ease people back into that. Girl, I wanna raise my mind. So... This song is a tell of two halves. I this is one that I'm gonna do a deep breakdown, of this song, right? This song is a tell of two halves. I think the race my mind is actually a play on words with something. Okay, so um I will say as a criticism of the song, at least in the first listen, I've got more okay with it. But at first, the first time or two I listened to the song, the RMV side, the first half of the song, where he's like, girl, I wanna race my mind. The auto-tune was very distracting. I didn't like what they did to Drake's voice, but the more I listen to it, the more it doesn't bother me. So it's fine. Um I love the instrumental, the little harps. Someone said it's very weakendish. Um, I could kind of see that. Someone said it's like a song that would be on House of Balloons by the weekend. Um, I could kinda see that. Okay. So Um The first half is literally just him kind of repeating a chorus with Few different lines Girl I wanna race my Mine Already high. It's a nice little mm, like it, it sounds like some real R&B Like I think there's real R&B Then there's like R&B, R&B That people mix in With rap and hip hop and stuff And it's not really R&B But fits in what's going on I think this is like pure Like this could be on a real R&B Album type of shit Um so, I'm just going to say some lines and I'm going to actually break down my theory on the tell of two halves. Here's some lines. Picture me caring about what fellas say on Wi-Fi they don't pay for. Damn. He basically saying, y'all talk about me on Wi-Fi. Y'all don't even pay for. Uh, you moved in just to move off me. Damn. Like, Drake does a thing where he does a, like, move in, move off, like. It's a nice little... It's a nice little roll off the tongue. Like, mm, you moved in. Like, you moved into my place, my environment. Just move off me like that. Uh, Your pick wasn't recent enough. How am I supposed to wife it? You're not Aisha enough. Love showing the cakes. You know they'll eat it up. What is with my fucking nose? Okay. So the first half is a girl he can't get off of his mind. The first half the R and B suck. It's a girl he can't get off his mind. It's like I want like man you you race my mind? It's a girl that's making his mind go crazy and he and he thinks is how the purest attentions. I think this this song is the epitome of the message of this album Of his younger self versus now In his career This, the first half, sounds like the lyrics of something Not the instrumental, but the lyrics are something That would have been on So Far Gone We're Like, oh, I just want you to occupy my mind Because I just want to love, 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 right? It's the naivety It's the beautiful, young naivety of love and the second half, when, he's, when it starts, he gets back into that rapid shit. Like, holy fuck. The change-up was insane. The beat switch was fucking insane. I call this song a tell two halves. Because in the second half, I th- he's saying he's, it's more of a realization of what he was really wanting in the first half. In the first half, he wanted you to erase his mind. Stimulate it. Make it go fucking insane. Make, like, love, love. And then Sagan's like, actually, I think I just wanted you to erase my mind. Like, race. First, he wanted to race. Now, he's trying to have you erase it. Um, she races his mind to stress. What he realizes, the first he, in the first half, she was racing his mind to stress... It was intoxicating. Um, but a girl he can't trust because of her constant. Sorry, my fucking nose. <laughs> yeah, the first half okay, sorry, let me start over and let. The first half, the R and B side. He wants he wants this girl to intoxicate race's mind the way she does, like just can't it's the unhealthy type of love where you're thinking about someone all the time? It's just always going and going and going fast, a hundred thousand miles an hour, and then you realize after it's almost like he had a post nut clarity in the second. He was like, "Wait, you it it's, it's like I just actually now I want to erase you from my mind because I realize you two you're not Aisha, you're not Wifey, enough. You know? you're." You're bad for me. You're you care about more for seeking validation for from the public. You're more about everything else that I realize that. I see for what you really are. Once you once once I had your mind and I realized what it is, actually now I want to race you out of my mind. Because you're not good for me. You're actually you're it's a tell of what you think you see, it's almost like the beginning stages when you first start dating someone and being with someone all the time, all you see is the good. And the second half is this realization of everything he doesn't like about this girl, the realization for who she really is in his eyes. And once he realize who she is, he's like, nah, eh, you're not, actually, you're not this. You're not great. I want to erase you from my mind. Before you erased it, now I want to erase it. And again, it's the, to me there's nothing toxic about it That is quote unquote more the accepting Accepting some for what it is It's If I was a younger age I would have just accepted this I would have just thought I would have justified too much shit And now I see more for what it is And that's the accepting for what reality And the truth is So I thought that one was. I thought Race My Mind Is actually one of my favorites Ones I'm playing off the rip All right, track 16, Fountains featuring Timbs. This is a, um, to me, this is a less successful version of a More Life, the album More Life type of song or playlist, end quote. It's pretty forgettable, but it's okay in the flow of a playlist if you're listening to the album. It's fine, it's fine if you're just listening top to bottom, Um, but in terms of it's not something I'm going to listen to on my own merit. I gave it five and a half out of 10. Okay. Another captivating one. Track 17. Get Along Better featuring Ty Do- Dollar Sign. I think Drake and Ty Dollar Sign is one of the most underrated duos when it comes to someone featuring with the artist. I think Ty Dollar Sign featuring with Drake. I don't think they've had a bad song yet. Um, I think on Scorpion, they had a couple and they were all good. I loved After Dark is one of my top three songs, favorite songs from Scorpion. And that do the way like a pool. After Dark was great. Um, he was also he's been he's been on a couple songs. I'm, I'm kind of losing. Sorry, I'm not really well wired tonight. But they've they haven't missed yet. Ty Dollar son doesn't really miss on features anyways. Criticisms with him have more to do with just him having albums himself. Um but him featuring on a track, with Drake specifically, always hits. And this song, I put it an eight and a half, right? But when I re-listen to it again today, I actually think it's more of a nine. I think it's one of Drake's Better R&B songs he's ever put out. I think it's one of his top five R&B tracks he's ever put out personally. Okay. But anyways. um, Here's some notes on the song. Um, or here's some lines. You said I was too invested. So you had to end. You reached out to me. Just to see. If we can make amends. I promise this ain't about Revenge. I just get along better with your friends. This song is people will say people will say this song is toxic. But I don't think I actually think again, it's more of a growth aspect of a song. Um look, I have a lot of notes for this one. I'm going to stick with the simple part right. The The synopsis of this song is he's essentially, he feels, he felt used by this girl for emotional support. It was a girl who left him because he was too invested. Again, this is Drake reminiscing on a younger self when he would put all of himself into a girl. That's so far gone years, like that type of music. He was so invested in her, and that's why she had to end it, right? And he understood. He understands that. He's actually not even mad at her for that. Um, she left, she broke up with him because essentially he liked her more than she liked him. And at the same time, though, um, she still wanted the she was basically kind of friends, she's basically kind of friend zoning him. And Drake, at that point in time, was probably that he was in that mindset where, yeah, we'll be friends and stuff like that. It's cool. I like you. And you can see as a guy, I think the Rihanna thing, not to get into personal, I think the Rihanna thing really opened his eyes to reality. Because that's when he learned that no matter how much you love and love someone, the more you, almost the more you show someone you love them to that extreme in when they just don't have it back for you it's going to make it 10 times worse for you because they're going to have to push away from you when you're too invested. And showing your car too early and showing that side too early and all that stuff puts you in a favor- an unfavorable position for yourself. And Drake kind of opens up about that. And um, he, he's starting to understand, like, here's the line I think captivates the whole song. Don't say you're proud of me. That shit's not real to me. I think everyone can relate in the sense of everyone has... When you try to be friends with the ex, it can be very weird. Because it's like, I'm so proud of you and all this stuff. I'm so happy for you. And of course, every situation is different. How people break up can obviously be different. But for the most part, if someone broke up with you... And all of a sudden, like they see you starting to be, su- they see you being successful, accomplishing things. And all of a sudden, they want to text you more, call you more, congratulate you, unwarranted. Um, then you're going to start feeling like, oh, so you just want to reach out to me when things are good. And they only want to keep intact with you and they want to have some support. Because he even mentions in the song where, you know, for three years you're complaining to me about some guy that you're with after you left me. And he's just kinda like, fuck that shit. That's something that he tolerated in his younger years, but now he's kinda like It's a it's a of growth. I think honestly the only toxic part about that is honestly what the other girl was doing to him. Um than anything. He actually took the more mature route. And people say, I promise is not revenge. I get along better with your friends. Of course, I could be taken literally. That now he's a uh, getting very along with your friends, um, especially if she uh, likes Wingstop. Oh, that's an internal reference. But it, to me, the song is a great embodiment of the actual where it actually. Doesn't make Drake in that fuckboy type of uh, role It actually makes him more of a uh, On the other side Someone who You kind of see why he is the way he is now Because he had to learn the hard way About what putting yourself out there And being too invested in someone And how much that hurts you internally But also how it makes you look to them And now he literally just He has all the access He's the most powerful musician in the world And he's been benefited by Not being like that now Um, So I think This album is more of an embodiment Of 10 years of himself The growth that everyone has seen In front of their eyes about it Uh, Yeah I would say uh, But Drake has moved Yeah Um, Part of my notes I put Um, In this, Drake, he's reached out by an ex who left him when he was all in on her. She wants to make amends of being friends to keep her relationship intact. But Drake has moved so far past this that not only is he at peace, he's moved on from her. But he actually, by getting friend-zoned by her, actually opened up the opportunity to realize... He enjoyed her friends more than her. It could be a situation where when they hung out and stuff, maybe he actually enjoyed being around them more than her. But, you know, that's kind of open for interpretation. But now that he's at a distance from the situation, he gets to see it for what it is. And again, when you see it for what it is, it's acceptance. And all that toxic shit had to happen for him to truly accept it. I actually think he's less toxic than probably a couple years ago. Because I think when you are aware of the nonsense and the toxic. You know. It's like the quote. It's like the saying. You don't have to play the game. But you gotta know the game. So you don't become a victim of the game. I think that's more what Drake is. Okay. Oh I gave that one a 8.5 out of 10. Okay track 18. Uh you only live twice featuring Lil Wayne and Rick Ross. I gave this a 9 out of 10. Any time where it's Drake and two other rappers is rapping, it kind of like seeing Green with him and Nicki and Lil Wayne. Um this one it's it almost it had a very it sounds like a track that could have been on Take Care. People were some people are saying it's very Lord Knows vibe. I think the only thing that makes it Lord Knows is, fact, him and Rick Ross are on it, to be honest. I th- but I do think, like, the instrumental, how they're rapping is very take-care-ish. But I don't think it's Lord Knows very um, independent. Um, honestly, it, it kind of had a Jodeci freestyle type. It had a Jodeci freestyle... Um, with hit one of his older tracks with J. Cole, like they did, Jody it had a very similar sample in there from what I, from what I could tell. Um, let's see. Um, quote, That day you sound like a bitch, you fancy, huh? He's obviously making the Swiss beats, they had a little beef beforehand. It's just a fire rap track. Uh, Wayne takes the cake on it. Drake did pretty well, Wayne... I think, Destroyed, though. Okay. Track 19. My least favorite track on the whole album. Um, I am Y2 featuring Kid Cudi. I gave this a 3.5 out of 10. I do not listen to Kid Cudi's music. I don't... I think I may have accidentally listened to track before. All I know is that he's kind of one of those... He likes to talk very depressing rap. He's very... De- which is not some that... But that's why it kind of makes it a weird match, right? Maybe it's a yin and a yang type of thing, but... Um, I, I just don't... Th- to me, it's just a long lull of a track. I don't see... The thing is, I think this is literally the only track that doesn't really fit in at all. I don't even know what imy 2 stands for. I literally barely remember any of the lyrics. That's how forgettable it was. And it seemed forced and it didn't seem interesting. Like, you don't have to be saying the most revolutionary stuff, but make it interesting. And it was just pointless, not great to me. People saying Kid Cudi carried the track, it's like, bro, like, I wouldn't brag about carrying that track. That seemed like a track that was just, had to be thrown in there, I guess. Um, Okay. Track 20, Fucking Fans. I actually think this is this track is actually better than a lot of people. A lot of people have been criticizing this track. I actually think it's a I actually think it's interest I think it's a pretty decent track. Um I think it's one of those it may be on like a rap caviar playlist somewhere in the middle or bottom and you'll just listen to it over and over time. You'll just I think the theme of it is more interesting than sometimes the bars that are said in it but there are some decent bars like um if we broke it off then you know it wasn't painless i had a kid even though i didn't plan to have even though i didn't plan to love too you were reading stories at the crib some of it was bullshit but some of it i did do i cannot imagine your face when your friends gave you the news too I'm a let-go pro. <laughs> that was a random. I'm a let-go pro. I guess Drake, like grin. Drake, some who used to hold on to things all the time. And obviously, he still holds on. Like, he's petty about a lot of shit. Still holding on to a lot of things. But I think with a woman, he lets go very easily. It's with dudes that so he doesn't let go of nothing. Because it's like his personal war. He's always being attacked in his field. Oh, he's not really... He's not really... A, he makes. He makes a very... Woman type music. He's not masculine. He's this. He's that. He's not like real hip hop. So he's always being. So he has to put those views in check. But with woman, He seems to be very good at just letting go. And. Acknowledging his wrongdoings. But being able to move on. I guess. Um, Drake is essentially reminiscing. On the danger of being in his position. And fucking fans. As someone in his position. And the vulnerable position of his life being in the press has its vulnerable position of his life being in the press has a press he's what the fuck Clint? The vulnerable position of his life being in the press has on his counterparts. Jesus I can't fucking write. Yeah, I think it's more like a it's just more of a consequence. it's a realization of what uh it's kinda like he's making like some weird hey, I don't know, like these it seemed like the girl that he actually liked and enjoyed to be around more and then she had to find out that he got another girl pregnant through the through the wire, through the news and shit like that. And that's something that it's kinda like, hey, when you fuck so many fans, you only know you got pregnant type of shit. It's like, damn, bro. Alright. But you know, I think it's a I think it's an okay track. I gave it six and a half out of ten. And just to wrap it up, track twenty one, The Remorse, I gave a seven out of ten. Um I felt like it was lackluster for Drake standards for a last song on the album. It was definitely not pound cake, uh type of taking the cake home. Um I don't think it was as good as The Ride on Take Care. I actually think Views. I know technically Hotline Blink is the last song in the album, but Hotline Blink was that at the end more as just like a single cover type of thing because it was the biggest song like at the time. But the song Views on the album Views is actually the last song on the album, realistically, where he just raps for five minutes and talks his shit. And I don't even think this is on that level. But... I think it's it's fine. I don't think that track is necessarily for us. Like I feel like a lot of those ending tracks on the other ones are for us and him. I felt like this one, um, it was more for him and his personal, which is fine with me. It, it was still flowed well. I still I still enjoy it. It's a nice ending. But okay, so Jesus, now that that's done, what did I give this album? I gave this album grade a 7.4. I added all the numbers together, did the math, divided, all that good shit. This album, Certified Loverboy, to me, is a 7.4 out of 10. Um, Do I think there are some, I think there are about, there, there are seven songs on there. So about one third of the album. That I go out of my way to just I play them on a daily basis. Um champagne Poetry I've gotten more into. Poppy's Home, some I play on replay. Um, I play TSU on replay. I play uh, fucking you know fucking um Jesus Christ, what is wrong with you? Let me just pull up the fucking list. Oh do 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 I think overall, though, um, it's a. I. I think people, people. I don't. I don't know if we could call it a classic. I personally, I don't think it's a classic. I think it's better than Scorpion. I think it's. If we're talking about albums, it's better than Scorpion. More Life is technically not an album, but I like it better than More Life. Um. I think it's not better than Nothing Was the Same. It's not better than Take Care. If you're reading this, it's too late. Is interesting. I think if you're reading this, is too late, it's a, it's a shorter album for one, and that's more of a high energy type of album, and I think that was not the intention of this album, so I think overall, I like it, a 7.4 out of 10 I think is pretty accurate, I'm not a Drake stan, I'm a Drake fan, but I'm not completely naive to what's great and what's not, Songs I play on replay, Champagne Poetry, Poppy's Home, um, TSU, Pipe Down, uh, 7 a.m. on Bridal Path, Race My Mind, Um, You Only Get Along Better. That's about seven, eight songs, and I play Love All once in a while, you know. And I think this song's going to have about, for me personally, it's going to have seven, eight, or nine songs that I play that I'm gonna save and put on playlists and refer to and go back over and over again over the next couple of years. And there's gonna be a couple I think I'm gonna get more accustomed to. I think I'm gonna um start listening to. I think it's gonna hit me different later on. And there's some like I know I'm not gonna like. I do not. I'm never gonna like. Uh, never gonna like the Kid Cudi. I'm never gonna really care for. Way too sexy. I'm never gonna care for girls. Want girls? You know, there's certain songs I know I'm not gonna like, and that's okay. Very rarely does an album have completely no skips, but some an album can have skips and it be a really good album. I think I think people I think my issue with people's review of this album is people feel like you either gotta completely shit on the album or you gotta completely love the album. You can have, you know, you could not like the album that's fine but you can't also say sit there and say there's nothing good here. You also can't sit there and say there's nothing undesirable here. Not every song to hit some songs have parts I like some don't like it's not to me I think I think I'm going to compare this more the views of the album. Views on first listen when I first listened to it I didn't I wasn't feeling it. Um I didn't get it. There's a couple of songs I like, but over time over time though. That's one of those it has the big hits, you know, One Dance and, Contro, and Controller and Hotline Bling. Holy shit, that's a lot of fucking hits. But in terms of like the big singles, but it has but it has a lot of decent replay songs like I mean too good is pretty big any song Rihanna, is big child's play um you with me I like western Road flows fire and desire keep the family close I think is underrated just a couple off the top of the head um the um views the song views is really good views the album views I think has aged better than people want to admit. It's okay to like incorporate like some songs don't hit immediately, but they have great replay value. And I think this is one of those. It's going to have a lot better replay value than people are going to admit because I'm not gonna lie here. Here's my experience with this album. The first time I listened to it, the night it came out, I was on my laptop and I was buying some stuff and I played it. In the background, I played it on my speakers. Or whatever, I was just listening to the background. I wasn't really like in tune. Listened it. Um, I was just getting a feel for it, and I realized like after hours, so the album was done. I'm like, hmm. Wow, I didn't know what the feel because I was not. I almost felt angry that it didn't hit me right, and I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm too distracted. I was too distracted. So later on the night, I lay in bed. I play it with the lights off, no distractions, put my phone away, and I just listen. And I was already kind of tired, so I got like seven or eight tracks. I think I got to fair trade, and I started falling asleep. I woke up, and on the car ride over to start my day, I listened to it. And I started to pick up more things. And it's one of those, the more and more listens. You could say, maybe you're convincing yourself to like it. I was like, no, I think there's certain things you have to be in a certain mindset when you listen to something to truly grasp it. And I started to enjoy more things about it. I started focusing on all the lyrics, instrumentation, all that shit. And the more and more I listen it, I'm like, I like this. I really, really like this. Um, I will say I do think he needs a personally, I would hope he comes out with a new album next year. Just cause it was three years for like a real album. And Although it's a really good album, it's not like a classic where we could just sit there with it for years and years and be fine with that. But yeah, Certified Lover Boy, seven, basically seven and a half out of ten. I think it's above average. So yeah, that's my review, Certified Lover Boy. Um, the camera's about to go out. So I'm going to end it here. Uh, episode 53, The Often Be Podcast. I didn't even mention that to begin with. Like and subscribe. Enjoy the vid. Um, I will put the timestamps below, but if you are made this far, it doesn't fucking matter. But have a great day, guys. Sorry I itched my nose a fucking mile. Oh, Jesus, you sack of shit. But yeah, certified lover boy. Mmm.